This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. said it once i will say it many more times if this raptors team wants to keep performing so poorly that they need to leave themselves in these desperate attempts to steal games the end of games in clutch scenarios are a fever dream unless you have chris paul or lebron james or some incredible manipulator and the raptors do not have that Kyle Lowry is immense and great. Maybe once upon a time, like 2015-16, he had all the gumption to go on and take games down the stretch repeatedly. He is not that guy. You know, he has a large load as it is for his age. It's a fever dream. It's hard to control the chaos that is clutch basketball unless you have one of the select few players who is capable of doing that. Kyle Lowry harnesses chaos if he can. He does not eliminate it. And chaos is Pascal Siakam having a layup to tie the game just slip in and out. That's chaos because he should make that. And he, he knows he should make that. And by all counts, he will usually make that shot. But he didn't. And the Raptors are put in a tough position You know, even before that shot, right, just gambling for steals, playing very aggressive defense, trying to play catch up at the very end of these games, when in reality, maybe if you don't give up that 17-2 run, maybe if you're a little bit more responsible with the ball during that, or you allocate your offensive arsenal a little bit better, run a few more set plays that are advantageous, look for your guys in positions where it might help, and for, you know, you got to play better transition defense. Limit what the other team is able to do. That's how you stay away from these situations. But the Raptors find themselves in it once again, and they lose. They're not on the right side of chaos and uh, or luck. And that's, that's because they don't play well enough during the, the full game. 116, 112. They lose to the Timberwolves, who 
have beaten the Raptors on the road for the first time since 2004. Miraculously, the Raptors haven't lost to the Wolves at home. So the Wolves broke the streak, but the Raptors, I think they would still say they have theirs because are they really playing at home? Like it's more their home than it is the Timberwolves' home. The Timberwolves are still on the road, but the Raptors, you're not really at home. There's an asterisk, a big one on all of this. This is the Raptors, what would it be? 26th, 27th away game, 28th this year. And yeah, they lose this one in an absolute stinker of a performance. Now sitting at 12 and 15 on the year, their four next, <laughs> their next four games will be played against the Bucks and the 76ers, who I'm not sure if you've been paying attention to the NBA, but they're both quite good and employ... Joel Embiid, who might, in fact, be the frontrunner for the NBA's MVP award, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is, you know, just won twice in a row. And while he may not be in the conversation to the same degree this year, he is still very much that player. And the Bucks with Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Dante DiVincenzo, they look quite dangerous. The 76ers simplified their playbook, run a lot better actions, and seem to have a team that plays more to Embiid's strengths, the two-man game with Seth Curry, the Horns actions they run with Tobias, Embiid, and Seth, or Shake Milton, the staggered screen actions they run with Ben Simmons. It's all going to be there, and the Raptors are going to have a tough time stopping it, especially Embiid in the post, and Giannis just doing whatever Giannis does. But anyway, we're here to talk about this game, wherein the Raptors... They, they didn't play very well against the Timberwolves. An inconsistent performance that they thought they could overcome with some really hard defense at the end. And that just wasn't the case. Transition defense, I think, is a huge indicator of a team's collective feel and IQ on the court and their ability to be diligent in their assignments and work. Because all you have to do is get back and talk and sort yourselves out as you're speaking. They were bad in the transition aspect of the game defensively because they allowed the Wolves, when they were not getting very many points, to push in transition and to buoy their offense. Is all this easier to guard if this isn't one of Rubio's two or three double-digit scoring nights of the season? Sure. Is Ricky Rubio going four for eight from downtown in this one tough to swallow? Sure. He's typically not that good a shooter. But the Raptors' defense puts guys who don't typically shoot that often in situations where they're open more than they're used to being. This used to be a huge feature of their defense and still can be on a given night. But as it appears to, you know, as we've seen so far this season, and, you know, we saw a little bit of it last season, if a team is prepared, if some guys are ready to unload, you can get random Peyton Pritchard, semi-Ogele, Ricky Rubio games. That's just what's going to happen. There is a scheme. They are ready for the scheme. They understand what's going to happen. And I wouldn't be surprised if teams get an extra day of practice prior or something like that. This is something they talk about. It's in the scouting report. You're going to have more three-pointers come your way. They're going to be open. This is the scheme the Raptors are doing. The way to beat it is to be an NBA player who makes open shots. So do so. That's that. The game is the game. But... The Raptors also just being so bad in that third quarter with it. I think they allowed 
Malik Beasley did four triples from the same left corner spot, all very wide open. I think it went four for five. And that was just sinking a little bit too low, pinching in a bit too hard and a lackluster effort to get back out. That's the thing. You have to know your gaps. You have to know what you're leaving the offense as a resort on the drive. And having Malik Beasley, who is by all accounts, a very good three-point shooter, as the release valve in the corner, that's a miss. That is a defensive miscue and one they made five times in the same quarter. You don't deserve to win when you have those types of repeated defensive lapses. It's And unless you have an immense offensive game where you're just dominating and everybody's hitting their shots, you're not going to win. And they didn't have a dominating offensive game in this one. There were some nice plays. The hammer play worked again. But the Raptors, in this one, they just did not bring the mental fortitude to deal with what the what the Wolves are throwing at them. Particularly Carl Anthony Towns, who passed out of doubles. As, you know, Raptors Twitter did this last year, too, when Towns had an incredible playmaking game. And he misses, like, one shot. And they see that he's only taken like three shots in the game so far. And they say that Towns has been clamped or like there's a lockdown or something like Boucher this year or Rondé Hollis Jefferson last year. No, they're the Raptors are sending help the moment <laughs> that Towns touches the ball from the outset. Towns gets a post touch. There's two men on the ball. And it's not the same as Fred Van Vliet or Kyle Lowry identifying when they can dig in when the big turns his head. Carl Anthony Towns sees the help coming. There's, they're not sneaky about it. Sometimes they're sending three guys, well, two guys to the ball in one primary, right? He's making the reads. He's passing out. If the Wolves are going to hit their shots, they're going to hit their shots. But the Raptors wanted the ball out of Towns' hands. He would be a tremendously poor basketball player if he was just some schlub who thought he was going to back down three guys at once. He's making passes. He had a very low shot told in this one. He took 11 shots, but he was 8 of 11 from the field. He killed the Raptors when he put a shot up. And when he identified an advantageous position to do so, a putback, for example, or popping out to three, or attacking a closeout where Baines can't get his feet shuffled for whatever reason. that He played very good basketball as far as that's concerned. Now, credit to the Raptors team for sending two or three guys and being very help conscious in the lanes for the passing lanes. Yes. Towns had seven turnovers. That's awesome team defense by the Raptors, but it is not a single guy clamping. Are we all watching the same game? I have no idea why this happens and it annoys me so much. It's so not what's happening on the basketball court as a team. Awesome team defense. You play the double, you pressure the ball, and then you look at what the easiest pass out of it is, and you try and jump the lane if you can. Perfect. That's what you love to see. But as if it's just Chris Boucher, like with a hand, a forearm on Cat's back, and Cat pushing up against the mountain, can't get anywhere. Come on, man. Like the Raptors team defense did it. It's not any one guy sticking Cat. Why are we doing this? This is not... Come on, that's not the game. But anyway, the Raptors, yes. That was the style of defense they wanted to play from early on. They sent the double. 
They sent the triple if it was advantageous, if Cat was pinned down by the baseline or something and they wanted to get from each angle, use the baseline as the fourth defender. Sure, happened a little bit. But he passed out for the most part, which led to some transition opportunities for the Raptors, but also led to quite a few open shots for the Wolves. And in that too, you know, there's there's bad passes made from Towns that aren't just turnovers, but are bad passes to his player that is just a little bit out of their arm. So they have to get the ball and collect it. And by that point in time, the Raptors are able to recover. That's all well and good. That's what you want to do. It's a good scheme. But the Raptors, as far as how they're guarding drives, that's a little bit less desirable, I think. And they they paid for it dearly in this game because... It wasn't just Towns who's driving and bringing a bunch of guys pinching in. It was a bunch of different players. Like Ricky Rubio should not command a pinch in. You don't need to do it. Just let the guy in drop defense, presumably one of Baines or Boucher, contest the shot. Let them play defense in that one-on-one or two-on-two situation. Don't pinch from the corner and give them those easy looks. That's largely the reason why the Raptors struggled in the half court when they did. Just a little bit of an overreaction, an overcommitment. And offensively, I think everybody had a bit of a moment in this game. Pascal obviously finished shooting quite poor from the floor. And he had six assists. I thought he made quite a few good reads when there was extra attention, when he was going downhill, or just hitting a guy on the break and finding a guy either in the corner or above the break. That was good. But Powell, Van Vliet, and Lowry, each segmented almost, had their their points in the game where they looked really sharp operating offensively. Fred, particularly in the first half, just killing the Wolves in the pick and roll. I think he had three triples just as pull-ups. That's awesome. That's a huge part of what unlocks Fred's ability to be an all-star or play at that level. And Powell just so consistently disruptive for the the Wolves defense, finding gaps, punching them, slicing into the lane, bodying guys at the bucket and then finishing over top of them or if he can get them out of the way completely, just taking that calm, gather, finishing at the rim and having counters too, right? Like he's got a Euro, he's got a sidestep into a floater, he can beat players to the glass. There's a lot that he can do and he can finish strong. It's just nice watching him operate because... This wasn't always a part of his game, but it's something he did against the Wolves and something we've seen him start to do more and more often as the season goes on. 8 of 12 from the field in this one. He did his thing. That 22 points on 8 of 12 shooting, what more could you want from him really? And the third quarter, Lowry, it seemed like, at well, the end of the third quarter, the start of the fourth, Lowry was the guy. Lifting, you know, the tide, the high tide, Rising tide. That's it. The rising tide that lifts all boats. That's Kyle Lowry. After a 17-2 run, the Raptors gave up the lead that they earned in the first half. Lowry comes in, settles everything down, does some foul hunting, some choice foul hunting, I might say. Slows down the game for the Raptors. The transition defense is less of a problem. They're still gambling, trying to get their own transition looks with the defensive playmaking, especially with DeAndre Bembry when he comes in the game. He's just so good on ball, and he didn't have any steals in this one, but he's so good on ball defensively that I rarely do have a complaint. And you can complain about everybody defensively, right? Everybody has a lapse here and again. Fred, Lowry, Pascal, all guys who sit near the all-NBA discussion 
and OG as well, although he hasn't played in nine games, poor guy. Get well soon, OG. And Bembry, he makes a mistake every now and again too, but he's just so good on ball. His contain is really good. The defensive playmaking off the ball is really good. And he can switch and he can he can hedge. He can and he can blitz. I mean, he can do it all. I think he fits so well with what the Raptors are trying to do. And to me, that's why the Raptors defense actually looks at its best when Bembry is out on the floor. And that's no small thing. That's really important. And I think he fits what the Raptors are doing so well. His emergence is a huge storyline of the season. Not to mention, you know, when he gets the ball in transition, that's typically great. He's a really, really savvy passer, and he was in this game too, as he, you know, generally always is when the Raptors decide to put the ball in his hands. He takes a little bit of the pressure off because you know he can handle the ball without any worries about him losing it. And just another good performance from him in this one. The the outside shot wasn't there, sure, but defensively, offensively, I liked his performance. And the Raptors, when they made their run, he was in at the end of the game pressuring the ball without fouling. That contr- the tenacity with the control, it's all a very important part of being a good defensive player. Fred has it. Lowry, it wanes with him sometimes because sometimes he'll just foul a guy because he's Kyle. Fred has that control, that ultimate control. So does Bembry. And Pascal can really, really have it some games too. He can just be mesmerizing defensively. And he had he had a quite a good stretch in this one as well. But the Raptors, I mean, it, it's it's the same old thing. You just, you collapse too far. And before you know it, the Wolves have six guys in double figures. Beasley has 20, Edwards 18, Towns 20, Rubio 16 is the one that in particular hurts a lot. Same with Jared Vanderbilt at 12. And then Jordan Nowell, he had 12 too, but or sorry, 11, but now has actually been a pretty good bench scorer for the Wolves this season. So I have no complaints as far as that goes. And Jaden McDaniels, I thought, wow, he's skinny, but his length and he's he's very smart defensively. He had some really great def- defensive possessions on Pascal and that length. When Pascal did miss that layup at the end, that go-go gadget arm that Jaden McDaniels stuck out there, that affected the shot. To be sure. And Pascal still should have made it. There's virtually there's no excuse for that Pascal missing that shot. He should make it 10 times out of 10. The move to get the shot was nice, but you have to finish as well. And the Raptors, they fall in this one because they just didn't have it. They waned defensively in particular and offensively a little less control would have gone a long way in this game, I think. But 116, 112, you play Kyle 40 minutes and you still lose that's a tough pill to swallow. And the Raptors, they have to be better than this. Is Our questions about how effective this defensive scheme is, are, are those valid? Sure. We're finally seeing it without Marcus Gasol. And Marcus Gasol, I think, I don't think anybody should be underrating what Marcus Gasol meant defensively to that team last year. I preached it all last year. Some Raptors fans are still convinced that he was just big and slow. No, that is not the case. He is a very elite communicator, and he just bridges the gap in every situation you need as the backline defender. And the Raptors, as currently constructed, don't really have that. Baines actually had a pretty good half defensively, the second half that is, except for his closeouts on Towns. Those were dreadful. But he had a lot of nice rotations as the help side guy. And the Raptors, man, 116-112, they lose this one. And the Reggie Evans Award, I already talked about this guy quite a bit. I love his game. I want to be able to talk about his game for a couple years, honestly. I hope he sticks with the Raptors going forward. 
It's DeAndre Bembry. And they're, you know, I, I have a piece coming out tomorrow for the record, if you want to read it. It's about DeAndre. And a, with a team that lost so many players in Ibaka and Gasol and Kawhi over the years that are so good at specific things, right now they find with their current roster construction that suddenly they're deficient in a bunch of things all at once. And DeAndre Bembry, who couldn't fit on Atlanta because of he didn't have a specialized skill that could vault him ahead as far as minutes, his kind of do-it-all approach to the game and ability to do it at that level has actually been super welcome on the Raptors, who are looking for a little bit of everything. More than anything, obviously, good starting minutes from, from a center. But I think Bembry has really done a wonderful job of snuggling into the rotation and making himself warm and cozy. And of Yuda, Stanley, the Defenders 3, Bembry is quite clearly the the standout prospect as far as that goes. So top quick reaction comment, B. Herbs, quote, Kyle and Norm, 46 points on 24 shots. Fred and Pascal, 40 points on 40 shots. This team plays its best with Kyle as the point guard and Fred off the ball. Not Fred dominating the offense with eyes primarily on Pascal. When they were winning, it was a free-flowing offense and with consistent effort from Pascal and Norm and Kyle, and Fred was up and down. Every time any player forces offense, it ends poorly. Tonight we had two and no cohesive offensive flow because there was no role definition, end quote. Yeah, this is a very interesting question and or statement. It's a very interesting statement from you, B. Herbs, and I think a question that most Raptors fans find themselves asking is, what is the offensive hierarchy? Is there one, what has Nick Nurse detailed that these players should be doing? Why isn't Pascal more assertive when he has it going? Why is Kyle Lowry so frivolous with his, you know, his control over the ball and willingness to let Fred take over offensive possessions when Kyle, it seems like, would be a better primary initiator? And I cannot say, I haven't talked to these guys about this stuff. And that's, you know, that's just part of it. And they they would never answer a question about this. Not unless you had like a very intimate, good interview. But post-game stuff, they'll never answer a question like this. I I I would be very surprised if they would, because why would you alienate your teammates like that or your coach? And you know, sometimes it is very clear that Fred is sticking on ball when he maybe should be off ball. I, I've been a big fan of Fred's progression as an on-ball guy this year. Don't get me wrong, but there's still a lot of danger and potency to his off-ball stuff, and Kyle is still a better on-ball facilitator and creator. If you're looking at what the Raptors' ceiling is when those two guys are on the floor together, it probably involves Kyle Lowry with the ball in his hand. That's all very confusing, and I don't know who calls the shots, but it does leave a a lack of something. There is a want from, I'm sure, the team, the organization, and Raptors fans all saying, there we have to be able to milk this for something more. But offensively, honestly, in this game, I don't think that was the problem. Obviously, you can look at any given offensive possession and say, this needs to work, this wasn't. And if you go, you know, including, <laughs> including Norm's shots into Kyle's, I don't really like that because Kyle... Fred and Pascal are all kind of in the same boat as far as creators. And I think their efficiency and field goal percentage and true shooting percentage are all okay to compare at any given time. But Norm, I don't think makes sense to lump in just because he scores at a similar rate because his self-creation is not nearly at the same level. The difficulty of shots he's taking 
are not nearly at the same level. So, but you are hitting on something like the Kyle, the Kyle Fred thing will be a thing for the rest of this year. No doubt about it. But yeah, B Herbs, thanks for writing in. Thanks for the comment. And uh, I hope you listen to this podcast and I hope you like my answer. But you listener, I hope you've liked the podcast and the answers, all of it. But whether you got into it in the middle of the night, in the early morning, whatever it is, have a blessed day and goodbye. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York.